Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. Um, it's our pleasure to have marketing director and professional instructor from Imperial Golf, JT Watson, on with us. JT, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on, sharing uh, a little about your story, how you got to where you are today, and more importantly, I sent over some samples. We're going to do a um, we're going to do a blind tasting. So before we get into the exciting stuff about who JT Watson is, just kind of walk you through what's going to happen here. So you've got some bottles labeled A, B, and C. Uh, in no particular order do we have to drink them. You can direct and say, hey, let's start here. Let's go there. Just so you know what we're going to be drinking. And in no particular order, um, we're going to have uh, we're going to have Renee, which is uh, our Monyac and Rybalin from our folks, uh, from our friends at Clearwater Distilling. We're going to have mm-hmm. one of our barrel picks that we did for the Masters, uh, which is Ragtime Rye from New York Distilling. And you know what? I sent out all the uh the last of my mellow corn which is a corn whiskey from heaven hill so i don't have the bottle to be able to display somebody had the bright idea it was an empty bottle and they'll just throw it away so uh just imagine it's got uh it's yellow and it's got corn on the label so so there you go Uh, yeah man so before we get into it what you want to just go down the line of a b and c you don't have to drink them all so kind of the idea behind the blind tasting is uh, we, we don't know what's what, but you can see in the bottles, okay. we've got some pretty significant colors. Uh, once we kind of get to the end of the show and we talk about which was which and maybe what, and it's not a, it's not a, uh, rate them necessarily. And, Ooh, this one's better. That one's better. But again, it's kind of okay. more so, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to drink something. And at the end we might find out, Oh shit, I didn't realize I like corn whiskey so much, or I didn't realize <laughs> I liked rye whiskey so much, or, sure. or I didn't realize I'd like a, a blend of a Marniac and, and rye whiskey. So it should be a fun time. So you just yeah. want to start down the line and start with a, and then work our way through. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Alphabetical order works for me. All right. Yeah. Well, I'd say, uh, I'd say go ahead and pour it up. And, and as okay. you're doing that, uh, again, as I mentioned, so JT Watson got some some really cool uh, history on yourself that I was able to find uh, just at, uh, you know, at, at a browser length away. But uh, why don't you give us uh, the JT Watson kind of the, the elevator speech of where you are today and then let's kind of back into how'd you get there? Sure, sure. Um, well, yeah, as you mentioned, Cal, uh, I run uh, the marketing side of Imperial golf here, uh, in Kansas city, Missouri. Um, and then I'm also a full-time coach or professional instructor, whatever terminology you prefer to use. Uh, and we've been going strong now as a business here, uh, for seven years in the same location. Um, and on the precipice of expansion for the first time, uh, in that seven years, we have another 800 square feet. We're adding, uh, hopefully by this fall, we're, we're kind of eyeballing a late September launch uh, to add a brand new uh, fitting simulator uh, through Foresight Sports um, and just expanding on our fitting operation. In the Northland, if you're somewhat familiar with Kansas City, there's really not a lot to offer from a club fitting aspect. Um, and while we're primarily instruction, uh, it's been really neat to add a little bit of fitting uh, to, to what we offer our students. 
Um, but it's been just Mizuno and Evenroll over the last few years, which are top-notch products. I mean, they're, they're really high-quality stuff. Um, but now that we're kind of getting our roots settled here, uh, we want to add a, a fitting simulator and, and potentially partner with a few more brands. So we don't really know what that looks like yet, but we're kind of excited for what that's, that's going to bring. Um, and I, I joined this operation back in about 2016. Um, I had worked previously, uh, with the owner, uh, John Snyder, um, and he and a former business partner took over this operation around 2014, um, just kind of was a, an exodus of the collapse of Edwin Watts Golf Academy. Um, and all three of us had worked together prior, uh, during that time frame, And, and this was just an opportunity that kind of presented itself, uh, for he and his former partner at the time. And, uh, and now we've kind of been able to turn it into what it is today. Nice. Nice. Yeah. We, uh, we're definitely going to unpack that. I'll, I'll give you a chance to, uh, to get into what we're, we're sipping here, which we don't know what it is yet, but, uh, we can kind of give it a taste and maybe talk a little bit about it. And then we'll, I want to get into kind of the Edwin watch thing. So kind of as you're sipping and, and multitasking through your whiskey thoughts and, and as you, what you've kind of gone, I don't know if full circle in the golf industry is the right way to frame it up. But, uh, you know, one thing I did find interesting, I didn't know you were a basketball player and you, uh, that was your, uh, that was your collegiate sport. Hey. Yeah. I, um, for, for some reason, um, just, just being a short kid, I, I was really passionate, um, about the game. And, you know, what's funny looking back is I had a lot of talent in sports, um, but was really, kind of guided by my coach from middle school on, uh, who happened to play at Oregon state where I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, the West coast kid originally uh, born and raised in Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington area. And, um, you know, he was just a, a strong influence, you know, through those ages for me. Um, and I kind of had that living example, I guess, if you will, of someone that was able to set out and, and accomplish that stuff. And so I pursued it, uh, through about my sophomore year of college, um, first time through. And, uh, like a lot of folks do just kind of got burnt out. I had kind of reached that point, uh, athletically where I was like, you know, I've pretty much gotten all I'm going to get out of this game. Um, and kind of like a light switch. It was just like, it's time to find something else to do. And, uh, it also coincidentally had met, uh, the person who would be, become my wife a few years later. So that may or may not have had some influence, um, on my decision-making process during that time frame. Yeah, sure. So you, you wind up, uh, you go to school, West coast basketball, you decide to get back into golf and had, yeah. w- was golf, was that kind of always in your peripheral? I mean, you, you started playing at a younger age. I mean, how'd you get into, uh, how'd you get into golf to begin with? Yeah, no, what's funny to me, uh, Cal is I, I looked at all other sports <laughs> essentially before golf. I mean, I, I played it as a hobby, like a lot of people do. Um, I was good enough to play on my high school golf team. Um, but the rest of the, you know, nine months of the year, I was, you know, obsessed with basketball and other sports. I even, uh, tried my hand at playing a little semi-pro football in 2010, um, and eight games and four concussions later realized that this wasn't for me. Either. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of, around the time the economy collapsed in 08, I had seen advertisements for the golf Academy of America program and thought, you know, that'd be pretty interesting to try, but I was still just so 
uh, narrow minded on like where I could work. And so I had a, a good friend of mine at the time who just encouraged me was like, why not, you know, just go for it, try it out, see what happens. You know, the worst that, you know, you're going to end up with a, a new skill set. Um, and so I weirdly was kind of contemplating either going to school for sports medicine, which was a lot longer of a commitment, um, or trying out this golf Academy thing. And so through that next couple of years, uh, you know, my wife and I just kind of mold those things over and an opportunity presented itself and we were looking for a new adventure. So, you know, obviously, you know, there's, there was, I guess I should say the golf Academy is no longer, but there was a lot of locations to choose from. And San Diego was, you know, kind of down there in California, but the cost of living obviously was pretty crazy. And so our decision was really quite simple. It was of the locations they had, cause they didn't have Dallas at the time. Uh, when I was looking, this would have been summer of 2010. And then I enrolled in April of 2011. Um, but at the time they just had Myrtle beach, Orlando, uh, Phoenix and Carlsbad, San Diego area. So Myrtle beach was the cheapest cost of living. That's how we ended up there. Um, and still have a lot of good friends we keep in touch with. We've never been back, which is kind of sad. We, we'd like to go visit some, some people and there's so much good golf out there, but yeah, we were there for two years through the golf management program. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, so can you, can you talk a little about what was that experience like? I mean, for, for folks that are thinking, you know, Hey, maybe that's an Avenue that I want to go down because again, it sounds like you were a good enough golfer that you thought there was a, you know, it could be a path for you. Um, obviously there were other sports that, you know, where you, you might've wanted to go, but what, what was that, the, um, uh, what was that experience like? And, and is that, is that somewhere you would, you would steer people kind of back in that direction? Um, yeah, that's kind of a yes and no, almost at the same time, the, the experience that both John and I had, uh, was a valuable one. Um, however, because they weren't accredited through, uh, the PGA, um, which I wish I'd have just done more research on that. You know, you don't graduate with a, a PGA certification like you do with like a, a state school per se. Um, gotcha. and so we, we did all the same coursework. We kind of pursued all that stuff. And then once we got into coaching, um, through Edwin Watts, you know, they made it pretty clear. They really didn't care whether we were PGA affiliated or not, and they would really help us to do that. Um, and so as the years went on, we just kind of kept doing what we were doing. Um, but goodness sakes, man, it's tough to beat a school that's devoted to golf like that because quite literally some of your courses are like short game 101. I mean, you go to a golf course occasionally and learn how to chip, uh, learn how to putt, learn how to hit unique bunker shots. I mean, it's uh, kind of as advertised. Um, and we were pretty fortunate to have some really cool instructors and, and, and professors there that had had some either small-time tour experience or worked with a really high-end golf course facility. Uh, I know one of our uh, professors there uh, was the, the GM over at Scottsdale uh, where they hold the waste management uh, now. Um, and he was, so he was their GM for six or seven years. And um, so, yeah, we, we had some really cool mentors through that program that we, uh, at least for the first six, seven years after, after we graduated, we kind of kept in contact with to help guide our process. And, um, so it was a quick 16 months. I'll tell you that, um, going straight through, you know, four semesters, just boom, boom, boom. Um, but a lot of fun, a lot of fun. You got to do a lot of different things. And it was, I think at the time, 85, 90% ex military. I mean, it's, um, they, that's kind of what they built their, their name on. And, um, 
but yeah, I mean, goodness sake, it's, it's tough to pick a better spot for golf than Myrtle Beach. There was yeah. hundred plus golf courses. Um, and I tried my best to play as many as I could. I think I hit about 40 of them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, nice. <laughs> no, I, and I don't even remember them all to be honest with you. Um, I played a bunch. I worked at uh, a course called, called, uh, Myrtlewood and they're a 36 okay. hole facility. Uh, I got the Palmetto and the Pine Hills course and then part-time over at Pine Lake. They call it the granddaddy. It's one of the first courses there in Myrtle beach. And, sure. um, so there was some special spots for sure. A lot of, a lot of unique memories, but it's certainly, uh, kind of a single guy's town, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm married and, and stuff. So if, if you're, uh, if you're looking for a party spot, that's it. Myrtle beach is a great spot. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. Did you have any, um, so you mentioned a few golf courses, any that, that are memorable to you? I'm sure there are plenty, but I mean, a couple oh. that's like, you know, shit, man, if I ever went back, I got to go play that course. So towards the end of our time there, uh, we played the die club, um, hmm. Pete, Pete die, obviously, um, who I, I wouldn't say is, is my favorite course architect. He's just, golf is hard enough, man. And, and the guy, <laughs> <laughs> he just likes to torture people, you know? Um, and, uh, so I, I remember that course really well. There's the dunes club, I think is a, is a nice member yep. golf course. Um, and then some of the, the lesser known like Kings West, which was this Arnold Palmer design golf complex had three eighteen. It's where we took our PAT, uh, uh, close to our graduation, our playability test, uh, to get, uh, registered for the PGA of America. And it was just a fun track. I mean, maybe it's cause I scored where scored well there a lot, but, um, that was a fun one. And then there's a, a complex called legends. Um, oh, yeah. may not be a better deal in that town than that place. They've got three 18 hole facilities as well. They've got a, a putting green to this day that I don't know. I've seen one bigger. It's, it's about a hundred yards wide. And I remember, uh, we'd get into competitions and go from one end to the other, trying to, you know, make a putt from some crazy distance and dang, you're feeling like you're making a full swing with a putter. It was just pretty comical. Nice. Nice. All right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great spot over there. We definitely uh, got many, many friends of the show over there. So, uh, oh, okay. yeah, it awesome. is. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great golfing destination. To your point, it is kind of a single guy's town, but uh, there's plenty of families too. So you <laughs> would, wouldn't be afraid to take a family over there. I think there, oh, no, there's you, plenty you, to you, do. you can, yeah, you can steer yourself in one of uh, many directions, if you will. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so, so you leave there and then you head to, uh, you go to open up an Edwin Watts store. Did I hear that right? You, you, you go from Myrtle yeah. beach to Florida. Is that the, is that the transition? Um, so via Kansas city, then Florida. Yeah. So weirdly, um, they, they had actually a pretty good system. Edwin Watts, their, their, um, owner and their VP, uh, would kind of go around to the four schools, uh, just kind of scouting talent, really looking for, um, salesmen to come in and, and develop as coaches. And, um, so they stopped by our school four or five months before graduation. And I think there was only three or four of us. Um, and John and I becoming really good buddies through school, we were sitting in that meeting and they were like, look, if you guys are interested, uh, travel on down to Orlando, um, and we'll do a little training and, and kind of almost a contest of sorts to kind of see who they were going to hire. And so we graduated like August 12th or something like that. And then drove down straight to to Orlando for like a four day crash course. And there was, I think eight or nine of us. 
and they were going to hire five guys, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, and so they pitched John and I being more West kind of coast dudes. I mean, John's from Iowa, so he was more Midwest, but um, they kind of liked our chemistry, obviously being close buddies. And they were just like, we have a new store in Kansas city. Would you guys want to open that? And it just seemed like the right decision at the time. I mean, looking back, it's hard to say we, you know, should have gone a different route, but it, it kind of paved the way for us for coaching and got us started. And really it was just baptism by fire because the, the reality set in, you know, like a month later when we're here and I've got people paying me to get them better at golf. I'm like, Oh crap. Like I really got to help them now. <laughs> and, um, right. and I don't know any, thing about this like i've gone through classes and stuff and so it was kind of raw man like we just kind of got thrown into it and tried to develop as fast as we could and and to give credit to john which you'll hate um he's got <laughs> such a brilliant mind for coaching that he fit really naturally to it very quickly and and so i kind of had to shadow him uh feeling like you know i gotta keep up and and learn along with what he was doing. Um, and, and weirdly our store very quickly did really well. We, we just had a good chemistry. We weren't doing high pressure sales tactics, which is right. what Edwin Watts kind of wanted you to do, to be honest. I mean, they, they, they really didn't care. They just wanted numbers. Um, it was a turn them over. Well, that worked out well, didn't it? <laughs> right. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a different story, but what, what kind of it, it came about was we would have these weekly conference calls and they were just like, you know, why are you guys doing so well? And we're like, we're just kind of honest with people, you know, like, and the Midwest, it works. So what, what I kind sure. of learned later on was they offered me a promotion, um, which was a bit of a like backhanded way, honestly, the way they presented it, because I, I knew they didn't want my salary in our store in Kansas city. And so I think from their end, they just thought, well, we'll give him a chance to start his own thing. And if he fails, that's just on him. Um, right. But it got me to Naples. And so I spent time down there in Florida and just really enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's tough to beat that place in the wintertime. So um, the, the catch was I was there July to December while the business was open. And if you're familiar with that part of the country, the busy season is January to May. <laughs> Right. So yeah. I, I was there like complete dead, dead season. Um, and in those like short six months, we got around 80 or 90 students. So we still did okay. And it was pretty much me the whole time. And, um, and then it went belly up. And so it was kind of a, what to do now type of situation once, once that happened, which would have been December of 13. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I kind of see you were, you were slowly trying to get back out West, but then uh, they sucked you back in. Right. And, and it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, how do you get it? I mean, Naples isn't a bad place to be, man. That's uh, no, that's no, no I still miss West. those winters, dude, 70 degrees and sunny. I mean, your body, especially being a Pacific Northwest native, I would walk out a couple of times in like mid December and grab a jacket and then be like, Oh, I don't, I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need a jacket. <laughs> no. Right. It's still hot outside. Right. Yeah. We'll have, um, we'll have a guy coming up on the show, uh, pretty soon. Tom Patry, he'll be on with us though. Uh, and he's, uh, he's a coach down there at, um, uh, what I, uh, I think it's called, uh, colony, mm -hmm. uh, crown colony club. Uh, that's going to be around there. So nevertheless, so what do you think about this first one that you're sipping on and how's that, that, uh, 
Is that something JT would drink on the regular or is that, uh, is that like, eh, I don't know about that one. There we go. Mm. Mm. Um, I think the first one's fantastic, Cal. I think I know what it is too. Yeah, that's yeah, I think really I too. good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I tried to send you some stuff that when you kind of sent over, you know, what you, what you're typically drinking, I'm like, okay, well, let's kind of bounce around on a few things and maybe get you something that either you haven't tried or, or maybe you wouldn't try. And we'll kind of talk about kind of towards the end about why, why, or why you wouldn't, uh, wouldn't like some of those. Okay. So Edwin, so we're still at the Edwin once I promise we're going to get to the Imperial golf stuff. That's what we, that, we're, we're leading into that, man. So, so we, so so we've got the Naples experience. And then at some point in time, you, you make it up North, right. In the Boston area. And, and if I right. missed the timeline or is this, is this kind of timeline where you're going to Boston and you're working on your game or what's happening there? So, yeah, that's the kind of a, an interesting diversion. I, I was actually, after the Edwin Watt stuff, I was out of golf for a good two years. Um, my wife and I had a, a decision to make, um, you know, the Edwin Watts thing went belly up. We were still in Florida till, uh, the following August. So we were still there eight months, primarily because she was finishing massage therapy school. And so we just really didn't have uh, an opportunity to do much. So I kind of, you know, worked backdrop at old Florida, which is a, a Mike Ditka facility. He, he built that and kind of winters down there. Uh, really nice golf club, actually. One of the few in, in Florida that doesn't have homes around every single hole, which is really cool. It kind of backs up to the Everglades down there, so it's pretty neat. And you get some really big gators that just chill on the golf course. So that, that was kind of kind of neat to be at that facility for a while. Um, and then I was up in Orlando at Hunter's Creek as a head pro there for a summer, helping out a buddy of mine that took the GM position and um, kind of helped him with some turnover there. Um, and then once my wife finished school, we were kind of just like, what do we do now? Like, you know, I don't have a job, you're not working or we don't want to move to Orlando. I will really wasn't digging the town. Um, and it was summer again. So it was just like the, the center of Florida in the summer is miserable. And, um, so we moved back to, to the Northwest. Um, we wanted to start our family and I lived in Spokane, um, you know, for a good, almost two years. And we started our family there and had our first son. And, um, but I, again, was out of golf. So I was working for Budweiser, um, not digging what I was doing and kind of miserable and, and told her, I was like, I'm going to make some calls because, um, this just ain't it. The doors aren't opening. I couldn't get an interview at a, for a golf job regarding anything. And, um, wow. which was kind of astounding to me. I mean, I, I usually could at least, you know, get some phone calls answered and sure. it just wasn't happening. So, uh, I called my buddy that I met in Florida who was working as a, um, an assistant caddy master at old sandwich in, in Plymouth mass. And, and then kept bugging John here in Kansas city. He was just like, when are you ready for a third guy? Like I I'm so done with what I'm doing. Um, and as conservative and honest as he is, he's like, honestly, man, I don't, I don't really know when that's going to be available. And so we kind of just set up a plan to, try and get to Kansas city regardless. It was just like, well, we think that's where we want to be and raise our family. So I'm going to take the job caddying in Boston for a summer. Um, and we'll just see what that leads to. And, and so within a couple of days, we kind of had our game plan and then had to wait it out to, you know, let all that stuff happen. And looking back, you know, it's what's funny is it was such a, well, this is the stuff that has to happen. So we just 
followed through on those decisions. Um, but goodness sakes, I mean, we lived in, I think, five states temporarily during 2016 alone. It was just a bit chaotic with our newborn son. Um, so had, had someone kind of led us to believe what was going to happen, I don't know if we'd have committed to it, but it's just kind of, well, this is what I want to do. I want to get back to golf. So we sacrificed and made those decisions to kind of make that happen. And uh, it turned out to be uh, one of the greatest decisions I, of my life. I really miss that side of the country and was really surprised at the relationships I made in Boston, uh, the membership at, at Old Sandwich was phenomenal. Um, the golf course itself at the core Crenshaw, um, which was my first. I just enjoyed it. And it was a bit bittersweet not being able to go back, um, and caddy cause it's just a, such a fun job. Yeah. I haven't been to that course, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you, Definitely uh, gets a lot of buzz, if you will. So d- definitely one of those. Uh, yeah, if, if get the yeah, chance to you, play it, I, I hear it's a must play, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's you know you'll you'll drop maybe a couple hundred on the round and then a hundred for your looper. And I'm, I'm kind of one of those budget guys where like if your round of golf is over a hundred bucks, it better be pretty damn special. Um, and I'd drop that in a heartbeat to play old sandwich. It, it's just it's a really unique spot. Um, you know, like they just opened up you know, Payne's Valley here in Branson and they're already asking 300 something for tea time. And, and we got to, we, John and I went and previewed it right before their match last year. So we played the first 13 and got to see the last five and it's a really cool layout. It's in a, it's a very special facility, but, um, the amount of money they're asking, I mean, everything's inflated, right. But, um, it, I have a hard time paying that for that, for that facility. At this, least this TV- I don't know. Yeah. Did TV do it justice? I, I mean, because there's, you know, you're seeing everything that, you know, with uh, everything that's happened from COVID, right? Everything is from a drone's eye view or drone's camera view. So, you know, there's sure. probably some, a little bit of, of, of that's skewed, right? From, from the perspective that you're looking at it and the camera definition and all that. But uh, I mean, is it, I mean, what you see is what you get. I mean, it's, uh, it delivers in, in all those categories. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, from a Vista standpoint and a view standpoint, um, my favorite would be Ozarks national. That's the core Crenshaw uh, layout up there. Uh, cause it sits on top of the bluffs. So everything right. is just this, uh, amazing viewpoint. Um, and you, you weirdly, you don't feel like you're in Missouri when you're down there. Um, however, Payne's Valley goes down obviously into the Valley. Um, and so you're not as exposed and you tend to kind of go back down into, uh, the badland, so to speak. Um, but it's just so open. I mean, it is very grand scale. Uh, it's, I, I, I kind of call it American style golf because you can see how everything is just very open and it, it feels as though they, they you know, blasted with dynamite to kind of create this, this space. Whereas, right. you know, core Crenshaw, they really like in, in incorporating the, the golf course into the land. And when you play Ozark national, that's the way it feels. And similarly, Old Sandwich, which was only built in 2004, feels like it's been there 100 years. I mean, it just looks like it fits the land. And so those are my only two reference points, but it seems to be the way they, they like to design the golf course. And, and Paints Valley is very much, you know, Jimmy Morris likes to do things big. And the, so, you know, if you go down there, you, you shouldn't miss a fairway. And if you do, you probably need your swing looked at. <laughs> Call, uh, call, call Imperial golf. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. 
stop by Imperial. We'll, we'll get you straightened out. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. So, uh, so any good caddy stories while you were in Boston when you're uh, could, I mean, at a, at a renowned golf course, uh, yeah. I'm sure the folks that were showing up there were pretty, uh, uh, I'm sure you had some, you know, kind of amateurs just uh, showing up, but anybody, uh, anything memorable that happened while you were there? Well, my favorite one to tell, obviously being a Kansas city native now, uh, was getting the loop, uh, for Tom Watson, uh, while I was there. I mean, that is probably the most memorable four and a half hours I've spent on a golf course in my lifetime. Um, and to be honest, I had no business caddying for him. I was a first year guy and they go by seniority. Uh, and Frank, our caddy master, uh, at old sandwich, um, I saw Tom on the tee sheet and kind of like put a bug in his ear was like, Hey, you know, like get me on his back. But I, I kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. And so my expectation was he was coming in and out and going to be gone. And so he was there for a day and out and I showed up, uh, the next day. And he was like, all right, JT, you know, go up to the range and grab Mr. Watson's bag and, and meet him on the first tee. And I was just like, oh, man, okay. Wait a minute. Which Mr. Watson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I literally, I went up to him and just introduced myself, you know, like, hey, I'm JT Watson. I live in Kansas City. Just trying to, like, make an imprint on him. And uh, what's funny is how that kind of came full circle. We, we ran a, a charity event here a few weekends ago uh, at Top Golf. And he was the guest of honor. And so I went up and introduced myself to him again. And I don't really have the vibe that he remembered me necessarily. Um, but uh, nonetheless, awesome dude. You know, you, you kind of get different stories, especially in the caddy yard. I mean, there's the degenerate caddies that, that have been doing it their whole life. Um, uh, and they're still, you know, rock star dudes. I mean, they're, they're just awesome people. But um, yeah, that was definitely one of my more memorable uh, looping stories from that year. And then just the relationships. I, I still keep in touch with a lot of the members up there. It's been five years. Um, sure. and they were just so genuine because it, I mean, I growing up, I, you know, was kind of trailer park and, and poor neighborhood kind of kid. And so being in a country club atmosphere is just so backward to me. And this place was not like that. You know, you, you were rubbing elbows with, all kinds of people of all kinds of wealth and you had no idea. So, um, it was proof to me that you could actually run a country club the right way where everybody still got respect. Um, you know, up to the owners. I mean, the guys that own that property were out there golfing three, four days a week. Um, and they were just the most genuine people. And, and the fate, my favorite part about that whole summer was they run a caddy member tournament at the end of the year. So a, a member partners with a caddy and right. they just devote a day to the caddies uh, and the staff and it was just top notch, man. It was just so well done. And so, yeah, I, I left that place thinking like, man, I kind of want to come back here because it was just so much fun um, carrying a golf bag for four hours and, and make a, make a few hundred dollars cash and go home feeling like, all right, I got the rest of the day to do some stuff. So right. uh, kind of a good gig. I can see why guys stick with it. it it's, honestly, it's really the male version of like kind of the strip club bartender kind of scene. Right. I mean, <laughs> You can see why guys just stay in that environment forever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard to beat cash first off. Right. I mean, that's, uh, that's the first thing, no, and, no. you know, you're, you're outside and it's, uh, you know, the chances are they're probably having a drink and smoking a cigar. So it's, uh, I, I can't really, yeah, I don't know that. how, I don't know how family friendly 
your uh, your podcast is, but um, yeah, there was a lot of other stories that go on out there too. <laughs> uh, so let, let, let's uh, Dan and I like to say, don't worry about our reputation, protect yours. So that, that's how family friendly it is. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's good call. Uh, yeah. So uh, so is Tom a bourbon drinker? Did you did you see? I, I rumor has it uh, we've had um, a golf pro from. Uh, Walloon Country Club, Pete Calbell. And I guess Tom has won the club championship there a few times and whatnot. But rumor has it, Tom is a bourbon drinker. I, I don't know. We haven't had him on the show yet. So, <laughs> um, to my knowledge, that sounds accurate. Uh, he oh. didn't have much to drink while I was out there. I do know his past a little bit uh, that he struggled with alcoholism and, and stuff. And, and so I don't oh. know how much of a drinker he is these days, to be honest with you. Um, the popular drink out there, which I had not had until I worked there was the transfusion. Um, okay. and so you get out into the summertime and like clockwork, man, I start craving those things. It's just, it's too good. It's too good. Nice. Yeah. It, yeah. We had, uh, we had the folks from Lynx drinks on, uh, I don't know, several sh- a few weeks ago. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, shit, I'll get in trouble with these things. So, <laughs> They're, they're dangerous uh, unless you're getting a made at old sandwich. I mean, it's, it's they basically go gray goose with a splash of ginger ale and, and grape juice. So they're they're they hit you hard, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so so we're kind of working through. I don't. Know, did you get rid of the A yet? And if you moved on to B, I'm still sipping it. I'll I'll get to B here in a in a minute. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't don't let us don't let us rush you. B uh, is good. Mm. Yeah, B is pretty good. I mean, I thought A was good. I could just continue to sip on it. Dan's like, I like them all. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really complain. Yeah, that that's for sure. Um, okay, so we so we're in. Uh, and what year was the Boston again? You said was it like sixteen, seventeen? Yeah, just twenty sixteen. Yep, I was okay, there in the 16. spring down to the fall. Yep. All right, so you're leaving Boston, and is this is this where you're heading to Imperial, or because because you know where I'm heading, right? I want to get to the yeah. uh, I want to get to the Open Qualifier eventually. So, oh, okay, sure, yeah. Well, so I wrapped that up um, October 2016, um, and kind of had alluded to the Caddy Master and the guys that there's a chance I might be back. I've got this thing out in Kansas City that I'm doing. I'll let you guys know. Um, and to be honest, they couldn't have been nicer about it. I mean, Frank, uh, basically at the end of the year party was just like, Hey, whenever you want a job, give me a call. Um, and you always want to leave a job like that. Right. I mean, that's, that's yeah, the best sure. part, uh, about that. And so, uh, I was very gracious. He was very gracious about it and understanding. Um, and so as I kind of got set to move to Kansas city, um, we got here and, and it was uh, a building that was really built for the two guys that were operating it at the time but we knew come spring, we wanted to renovate. Um, you know, they had gotten themselves into a pretty good position financially and, and they were ready to kind of upgrade some stuff. So, um, we came in and at the time it was golf Academy of the Northlands, which was kind of a name that the previous investors had decided on. And, um, and I just, I needed to fill the void of the marketer. So I came here, redid the website, did the social media stuff. That was just, uh, it was, it was perfect, a perfect fit for me. Um, yeah, because I had the, the ability to do that. Um, so February of 17, we renovated and John and I were both like, all right, we, we want a name that's you know, not obvious, 
Um, and when you think golf Academy, there's, there's just always some flag stick or dude swinging a golf club in the logo and there's gotta be green around it somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, so our, our thought was, well, let's get rid of that. We don't generate walk-in traffic because we're kind of just in this like back mall plaza type stuff. Right. And, um, we had recalled being in a business class together in, in Myrtle beach and did this fake business, you know, right up, yeah. um, and it was coined Imperial golf and it was just going to be irons and putters. And so we went back to that and we were like, you know what, this kind of works. And just down the road from us are two golf clubs who use these old school, um, like crest lion type Scottish logos. And I tried to redesign right. it. And then John sent it to uh, a buddy who was an actual graphic artist. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and his third, his second or third rendition, man, was the logo that he came back with. And so that's how we uh, ended up <laughs> with just the classic lion head. Oh, yeah. Sure. That's uh, sweet. So, you know, what's funny is we've gotten more compliments on this thing than I, I could even get into. Um, and we're proud of it. I mean, we got really lucky, to be honest just the way it, it ended up kind of coming together. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of the kicking off of, of something new. So we renovated the whole facility uh, in about three weeks, um, kind of made position for the three guys at the time, um, which just didn't work out. You know, that, that partnership between uh, John and his former business partner was just uh, not really meant to be. It was a bit forced um, because what happened was when Edwin Watts went under, they were bought out um, by kind of an angel investor, so to speak. And it was just too, random guys who weren't even connected to the golf industry. And after about six months, they both were like, yeah, this isn't for us. So we'll let you guys have this. If you pay back the primary investment. And by the time I got here, they had paid it off. So yeah, nice. um, they were like, yeah, let's, let's put some more money back into the business. And so I kind of got here right at the right time. I mean, it was a bit coincidental uh, the way it all played out, but um, we, we got ready to go. And then, you know, last three or so years, it's just been me and John kind of grinding away. Um, and, you know, building things from the ground up, so to speak, and doing some stuff with like the Kansas City Golf Show for a couple of years. We started a tournament that we ran for three, three years. Uh, it's just been a lot of fun to kind of uh, dabble in some different things. Cool. Yeah. Where's yeah. the, uh, oh, there may be a seal. There may be a seal on that bottle, by the way. We have to uh, unwrap it. I'm getting there. <laughs> I, I got a massage today. They have a seal. Hands are all lotiony. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is B, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Right. Lucky you, man. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what, I mean, it does, I mean, it's, you, you keep saying that, you know, it was kind of fortunate or coincidental. I mean, it sounds like it was just that. I mean, it's kind of, uh, I guess it's, you know, like golf, right? I mean, it sounds like you had a lot of patience. Uh, you also had some direction in what you wanted to do and where you wanted to wind up at and it kind of paid off for you. So, um, so as it relates back, so let's talk Imperial for a second, Imperial golf in Kansas city. And so you mentioned the Kansas city golf show, you mentioned the tournament that you, uh, what your three years in the, in the making now, this is this year's tournament over. Well, yeah. So unfortunately, uh, with COVID last year, uh, the, the 501c3 that we were partnered with, it was a charity, uh, called Patriot outreach. Um, and they most notably worked with veterans dealing with PTSD. Um, and so our, our mission was just to kind of help bring awareness to that. Um, at the same time, we wanted to do an event outside our shop that really just kind of helped push us out into the community, so to speak. And so it was a gr great way to kind of tackle two birds with one stone, so to speak. 
Um, and it was a great success. Honestly, we went from 72 players the first year to where it was full last year. It was 144 players wow. and three nice. years. Uh, we, we had 19 businesses that were sponsoring the event. I mean, it was pretty phenomenal that in such a short amount of time, we had that kind of backing. Um, and granted, I mean, it's, it's military support. So, uh, in the middle of the country, you're, you're going to see a lot of that, which was great. Um, and well, yeah, you still got to do the legwork to get there, though. I, I mean, it, sure. don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't be, uh, don't be so <laughs> humble about it. I mean, it, it's not like, oh shit, everybody's going to donate to the middle. I mean, because I mean, because well, I mean, just in the same. I mean, there's a lot of people asking, right? I mean, it's not like, hey, oh, this guy showed up today. I hadn't seen anybody in a while. I mean, so you know, there's a, a hierarchy, pecking order, whatever you know phrase you want to use to kind of size that up. I mean, it's still, sure. it's not an easy task, even though it's to a good cause, right? No. And it's, it basically was another like small business, right? I mean, you, you kind of had to yeah. build the framework and, and it, it was exhausting because we were having to do that, you know, six to seven months prior. And during those first two, we were also doing the golf show. So we had an event in the spring, February ish, and then something down in September, uh, which, you know, just kind of our year was very full trying to occupy those things. And so uh, obviously the golf show is canceled just due to COVID. They haven't really returned since. Uh, they didn't do it again this year either. Um, and so this fall, we kind of shifted gears. We were looking at potentially partnering with Central Links, which is a, a, a kind of like the, the Kansas City Golf Association. They rebranded in, in town here. And so, gotcha. um, but but they they um, have a, a charity through them. They represent called Youth On Course, which is a, a national charity. And so moving into next year, our goal is to, uh, kind of partner with them and, and youth on course basically buys tea times for juniors so they can, uh, their parents can uh, purchase a membership. And then these kids can go to the golf course that participates in this program. And it's five bucks for 18 holes. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, um, oh, but wow. a great way to, to benefit these young people and it, and it's golf related. So I think that's where, where we're going to generate, um, you know, or, or divert our focus, uh, next year, but, this year, the expansion kind of took our priority uh, and our focus. And, um, you know, with the delay in materials and all this stuff from a building standpoint, it, it's just kind of been a, a huge diversion for us. And at the same time, we got so busy <laughs> uh, that it was kind of tough to manage there. We, we had a bit of an unprecedented, in a good way, uh, busy season where, you know, typically our, our schedule to give you a perspective, Tuesday to Saturday is 72 available half hour time slots. So we get on it. We, we, we coach day in, day out. And then we'll do on course lessons on Mondays and sometimes Saturday afternoon. And, you know, leading up to last year on a typical, you know, busy season, we'll get, you know, two weeks or so where there's not an appointment available. So we'll tell people, you know, Hey, you know, book out in advance, make sure you get your time slots. Well, we hit April. And by the time I was, at the end of uh, March, my entire April was booked. So I had four or five weeks wait time. Um, and that lasted for right. good two months. I mean, it was a bit crazy. Um, so much so it kind of started to impact our sales a little bit where it was like, well, you know, we'd like to get you on a weekly program, but uh, I'll see you in June. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, 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 don't, we don't have one, right? So, right. Yeah. So, yeah. which, I mean, that's, the ultimate hope as a business is we wanted to get people on a bit of a waiting list. And that's kind of what happened. Um, it's, uh, we had a bit of a bottleneck there. So now that's slowed down a little. 
Um, and we're, uh, we're going through the process of hiring a, a third coach or, you know, club fitter. We're, we're not entirely certain what direction that's going to be at the moment, just because we're kind of waiting on how this develops uh, next door. Yeah. So I'll, uh, as you taste that, I'll, I'll kind of frame up, uh, maybe, a uh, a sidebar for us. So if you're thinking about it and I've recently, I've dabbled in, um, lessons in the past and, okay. you know, and, and I would say, generally speaking, I've always had a positive experience. There've been a couple of times where, you know, somebody's like, oh man, you got to do this. You got to change this. You got to, and you know, now kind of as it's, as it's progressed, I definitely see a lot more, you know, instead of, Hey, here's the way your swing needs to be. It's back to more fundamentally of you need to hit these key spots at the right time in order to have a, in, in order to have a successful golf swing, right? It, it's not, it needs to look like this or feel like that or what, you know, it's just, you're hitting like certain milestones, you know, in, in the right. swing. So as, as someone that's looking to get a lesson from Imperial Golf, I guess I'll frame it up in a couple of different sections here. I guess is one, what's the typical, what's your typical client look like? And not, not mm. physically, but what's their, what's their golf aptitude, sure. right? I mean, is it generally sure. speaking, are they, hey, shit, I don't have anything to do. I'm working from home all the time <laughs> and I'm not traveling. So I want to go play golf and I've never picked up a club. Is it, right. man, I've played for 20 years and I still suck and I can't break a hundred. Is it somewhere in between like, hey, help me. I want to go, I want to qualify for the open next year. I want to attempt to help me get there. Like what, what's that look like for you? So I would say, Prior to COVID, um, the large contingent of our students was 15 and older and 18 and younger. Um, that was pretty much 85% of them, for sure. The, the 20 to 40 club was very sparse. And when you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, they're either in college or they're building their careers, they're building their families, they're, they're busy with jobs. So their time is obviously a bit more precious um, as is their, their finances. So um, what we saw shift uh, once COVID hit was the work from home group became very prevalent. Um, I've kind of just coined them the COVID golfers, people that picked it up uh, <laughs> last year or picked it up again uh, and got more serious about it. Um, we obviously, we know how great of an impact it had on golf courses, especially in this area. Um, the numbers were up sometimes 30%. Um, right. If you talk to specific golf courses. And so, uh, but we didn't see like a huge increase at that time. You know, we kind of thought, all right, well, cool. Golf is, is growing again and, and stuff. And then we hit 2021 with a bang, um, you know, and, and, and here we'll, you know, it's seasonal. So October to December, we've got that certain client that, that goes into hibernation mode. Um, but fourth and first quarters were both strong sales numbers. And so we, as I said, we kind of hit a bottleneck when we got to April this year, where the general public kind of comes back out of the woodwork and, and with the fourth and first quarters being such good sales numbers, it was just like this buildup. Um, but now I think it's a lot more even across the board. I, I think it's, it's probably a good 30%, you know, competitive players, uh, 30%, you know, the, the, the weekend warrior types that are just looking to improve. Um, we, we've seen a huge growth. Um, and women's golf, which is just really cool to see. Yep. Um, because that's, that's the biggest opportunity there for, for anything golf related these days is, sure. is the women's, women's market. Um, and, and so we've, we've just kind of taken that 
um, very seriously. I think the, the reality is obviously golf being a predominantly male sport hasn't lended itself to the female population well over the last hundred years. So um, it kind of needs to evolve a little bit. Um, and it's been encouraging to see uh, that take place, at least in our, our little community. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What's the, so, so if I'm coming in to get a lesson and it, it, it's probably, I'm probably asking a loaded question and it's going to, well, it depends, but <laughs> what's the, you know, if I'm like, okay, Hey, I'm a, I'm a 10 handicapper. Well, I'll put some parameters around it. So I'm a 10 handicapper. Uh, I play once a week. I may or may not practice. If I do, maybe it's once a week, but I'm like, Hey, I, I know I need some help. Uh, I, I can hit the ball good sometimes, uh, I kind of know what my misses are. Maybe I'm keeping track of it on my scorecard or on my, my mobile app. And I've got my, okay, I'm missing, you know, 80% left off the tee and, you know, I'm chunking my wedges, what have you. And I guess you could look at it from two perspectives from a, one, from a fitter and then two from, uh, from, you know, Hey, we, we're going to get lessons, but what, what right. kind of program do you put me on? Like, is it, is it, Hey, JT, like, I want to, I want to be here. I need, I want to come three days a week and I want you to, you know, teach me and get my swing right. Or is it, sure. and again, and, and maybe I've never had a lesson before, but I want to kind of get into some kind of rhythm. What, what's that look like from, from a coach perspective back to the player? Sure. Sure. Well, it's, it's pretty simple. Everyone starts with a swing analysis. You know, that first hour session for us is really important. We, we kind of want to establish that uh, communication and that chemistry um, and just set the tone. You know, honestly, we've pride ourselves on on the process that we've developed over the last eight years. Um, and and every player needs to kind of create this assessment. And so inevitably, of a player that you're describing, we're going to get down to, okay, well, let's identify the mechanical flaw. If there is one, let's, let's make sure that we're, we're attacking things from a, a, a fundamental point of view. So we go through pre-shot routine, setup routine uh, with a fine-tooth comb uh, because those are two things that really get avoided a lot. Even if a player has seen instruction, uh, what we've noticed is these baseline fundamentals where someone simply doesn't know how to set up to the ball correctly um, or that they don't do it every time. And, and so we tend to go through that so that they have this foundation we can build the swing off of if need be, or make those improvements from that foundation. Um, and then there, it really just it depends on the person's level of intensity, first of all, um, how, how aggressive they're trying to be with those improvements. Um, and then we tend to match the program as needed. So while our raw structure is kind of listed on our website for people to go through, um, we, we tend to take it on a case-by-case basis just to make sure okay, well, you've got, you know, two, three times a week that you're available. I want to see you twice. Then I want to see you practicing on, on the golf course for a half hour that other time. I want you working on chipping and putting or, you know, we'll give them drills and, and homework, so to speak, uh, to go work on uh, some things. In the wintertime, we've got a simulator. They can rent time and, and hit balls back there um, once we've kind of accomplished the things we need to see from the coach's perspective. So, you know, everyone gets the same treatment. It doesn't matter how competitive or non-competitive you are. It's where we need to start is the setup and the fundamentals. So long as those are good, we'll move on from that. Um, because as you said, I mean, we really, we kind of, <laughs> we get a kick out of people occasionally asking like, well, what's your theology? What do you, are you one plane? Are you blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and this, this is all credited to John. But he's like, you know, if we really just focus on someone's biomechanics 
um, and, and then adhere to physics, there's really no subjectivity to it. That's math. You know, how you turn, how flexible you are, that's unique to you. Uh, and, and then so long as we're getting the club to, to go through the golf ball with the path of least resistance, it's not rocket science, you know, like there's a lot of ways to make the golf swing complicated, man. And we just try to simplify it as much as we can. It's been effective. It's been really, really effective for a lot of folks. It may not be rocket science, but it is damn sure physics. <laughs> uh, that, that's what I would say. And I don't know that I'm good at sure. that yet. I'm definitely not good hey, at golf. So. JT, have you ever uh, quit on a player? Like, uh, can't do this anymore. Oh boy. Um, no, but I will say this. Uh, the, the, the people we tend to have the toughest challenges with are, are the civil engineer types who <laughs> think very, very mathematically. Um, and, and they kind of want to boil the swing into this math equation that they can just repeat over and over and over again. Um, and so there's definitely times where it gets contentious. I won't deny that. Um, because I'm here, you're paying me to keep you accountable. And I get a kick out of people that do that and then push back on me. <laughs> yeah. it, it seems, it seems a little silly, but it happened. Um, and I will freely admit early in my career, I had a hard time with that. I'm not a person who enjoys confrontation whatsoever. Um, I won't say John enjoys it, but he has no problem with it. And so I've had to kind of take my, 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 my beats from him to say like, okay, no, you're confident in your knowledge. You know what you're talking about. So don't, don't waffle on a subject just because they're a little more aggressive or a little more assertive than you. Um, and it's not to say I'm a know-all or smarter than these people. That's I am. And from an IQ comparison, I'm not going to touch these guys. However, (laughs) from a process and a structure standpoint, I have validation through at this point, hundreds of students that have put this process into play and, and made it work. So uh, we say this a lot where it's like, make sure your source uh, of information is, is one source, you know, don't be coming here and then looking at YouTube and, and doing this and that <laughs> because you're just going to complicate it for yourself. You know, it's, and it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be more complicated. I heard, uh, hey, bud, grab your clubs, and uh, we're playing for $100 a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's, uh, I, I did want to steer you there, and if we, uh, if we get uh, close to time, man, just, uh, you know, check in with us and let, me, let us know. Um, so, so, so you mentioned it. So, you know, I, I think that, that uh, this is going to sound real. We'll get some hate mail over this one. I think COVID has really – uh, has really been good to the golf industry. Uh, yep. you know, maybe I don't know nope. from an amateur standpoint, right. And from, from a golf business perspective, it's been good to it. Um, it, what it has also done is it's created a lot of, uh, it's created a lot of content like what we're doing right now. And, right. and, and you right. can, you can go on to your point, you can go onto YouTube and start looking around and you can find, you know, how many ways to fix a slice, how many ways to hit a draw, how many, how many ways to hit the flop shot. Right. And, and it's, right. uh, it, it can really, and, and I found myself in this category and, and I, I don't know if sometimes I'm watching it more for entertainment purposes than I am actually trying to figure out, okay, well, I don't need to do that because that's going to screw me up even worse. But, you know, have you kind of, it's like the, uh, what, what's the uh, uh, MD.com, right? Or whatever it is. It's like, right. hold, yeah. hold on, you're, you're, you're coming here for a reason. And I really, really appreciated what you said earlier is you're paying me to hold you accountable. And I don't think people use that. At least I haven't heard that term a lot. 
And and that's exactly it. Right. I mean, it's you're holding me accountable through this process that is a golf swing or through this motion that is a golf swing. And I, I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. And, you know, I, I have to I have to have some faith in you. Right. So but I should have done a little bit of homework up front and I should have kind of vetted out, hey, I'm, I'm going to a reputable, reputable source to get that guidance. It's like if somebody's right. coming to us being like, hey, man, we don't want to drink anymore. Will you talk to us? And it's like you probably don't want to talk to us. So, uh, right. And, you know, just, sure. just being honest, but it, yeah, that, right. that's that whole accountability thing. So what do you tell people when they're, what do you tell Dan and I that are the, you know, you know, mid-level amateur golfers, uh, you know, we, we can, we can hit the ball just fine. We're definitely not going to win any club records but when it comes to those YouTubes and Instagrams and Facebooks and yeah, on and on and yeah, on. Yeah. What's, what's your direction for when I'm like, Hey JT, I'm here for my lesson and here's what I saw. <laughs> what are we doing with this? Um, so what's funny is with social media, man, I mean, and I'll get students message me either through Facebook or through Instagram, like, Hey, look at this training aid. Hey, what about this video? And I'm, I, I hope to, I'd like to think I'm consistent with my message. And it's, if it's short game related, test it out. No harm, no foul. It's tipping, hmm. it's drills. Uh, hmm. It's a simple and small enough stroke to where, you're not going to do anything major when it comes to damaging what it is you're doing. And at worst you're practicing it, which is all I give a shit about. Like, please practice your putting, please go practice your chipping. Uh, because that's when it comes to stroke value, what has the biggest weight on lowering your scores. And if that's what we're all after, well, then that's what we should be participating in, not coming in bitching about the fact that your driver slices and you haven't had it fit and you don't know what, you're doing with it. And, uh, and it's as simple as don't use it if it's not working, you know, that's, it's more course management discuss, discussion there. Um, but then beyond that, it's, if it's full swing, this has been my simple analogy for people. When you're watching YouTube, you're learning about the golf swing, not your golf swing. And that's it. So you're trying to apply something that one, it's a needle in a haystack to find the same problem you're dealing with. Uh, because even good players, they'll come in with a, a preconceived notion about, well, here's what I think is happening. And oftentimes they're wrong, believe it or not. Uh, I myself use John. I'm, I'm not allowed to look at my swing on video anymore <laughs> um, <laughs> because it just doesn't benefit me. Cal. Like I, I, I don't need to know all those things that's going on. Um, and we've worked with, you know, really good players over the, in the past years and currently that the, the simpler, the better. Um, so anything we can do to minimize the noise, uh, the reality is I, I've used this analogy in the past where the newer golfer or the one who's looking to improve a lot is a lot like someone who's starving. They just want information. Sure. And so you can, you can overindulge really quickly. Right. Um, and so we, we really try to throttle that information very carefully so that I'm not giving you nine different things to think about when you leave your first lesson. I want you to dominate one task and get really good at it and then come back and we build on that success and we kind of create that foundation and build off of it. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. 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 Fair, fair and, and, and valid. I guess I'll, my uh, kind of where you're, you know, where that's kind of driven me to is okay. I'm in, I've got my lesson. It went really well. Uh, I liked what you did. I'm still, I'm probably feeling a little uncomfortable because you changed something about my swing and I'm going like a shit. I don't know. I don't know what he did to me, but when it, when I hit it right that day, you know, when I hit it right, it felt like, you know, I felt like I looked like Tiger Woods out there and, <laughs> and yeah. Okay. That's yeah. an exaggeration, but you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, you, no, you, I, I did it. Yeah. I you relate see to that. Pe- 
Yeah, you see people and they actually, you know, they, they compress the ball that one time out of the 50 swings that they made. And it's like, holy shit, that's what it feels like. That's like, yes. And now I'm like, okay, it felt really good, but I have no idea how that actually everything came together. And that happened through that progression. Right. So, so, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm asking like a, a can't answer. I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I, it's, it's relative uh, to the individual, the skill set, et cetera. But I guess two part, how many people continue with lessons? Uh, you know, if, if, if I'm coming in, I'm getting my lesson. How many people continue? I'm sure that's a, a, a metric that you measure in some way. Sure. And, yeah. and then uh, what's the, when do I notice a difference? And again, I, there's lots of things that are happening. Am I practicing? Yeah. Am I playing? Am I, and I don't, if that's fair, and you may be like, shit, man, there's so many variables. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, okay. So remind me of the first, first uh, how, how many people continue? So I've had my right, first right. lesson, regardless of how good I am, how many people are showing back up? Oh man, I would say we're probably close to 80% these days. That's awesome. Wow. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Uh, what, what we did, what I did, I should say was when I got here, the Groupon, which was at, well, kind of still is Groupon and word of mouth. Those are our only two forms of advertising. So we've not paid a dime from a marketing standpoint since we opened this place. So it's it's grown organically, um, which is really the best way if you can manage that. And, um, but one thing we did was at the time our Groupon was like a $23 lesson. And I I got here and noticed that whatever competitors we had, they were charging, you know, maybe a hundred dollars for that first intro. And what Groupon does is obviously cut it in half. So I said, look, let's at least, double the price of our coupon. And we'll go from, to use a, a Midwest analogy, the Walmart customer to the Hy-Vee customer, right? We're, we're kind of going to someone who's a little more serious uh, yeah. because if someone will spend 20 bucks and not think twice, but if it's 50, they'll reconsider that a little bit. They'll at least remember it. And my big issue is that people were buying the $20 Groupon at an alarming rate and not showing up. So we weren't yeah. even getting an opportunity to make a sale. Um, so to double it, we got a, a lot more engagement and what's weird is the sales numbers didn't drop. They actually went up because people see the value in it. Yeah. Uh, and similarly this last December, we finally raised our rates for the first time in seven years slightly. I mean, it was, you know, 2%. Sure. And again, the volume went up. So there's a little bit of that pay what you get for type of type of client in golf. And we're starting to notice that. Uh, one, the customer these days in golf is a lot more educated. They, they go online, they study, they do things, or at least they, they think they have an idea. Right. And so, which is great because it actually gets them engaging and asking more pertinent questions as opposed to, I don't know, man, I just stuck, you know, um, (laughs) (laughs) which we, we deal with too, and that's fine. Um, but it's just a little easier for us to manage. Um, and so then on the, on the flip side of that, when it comes to, you know, program-based, what is it we're looking for from, from those perspectives? How quickly do people improve? Man, it just, it's so varying. And, yeah. and as I say often, like if I could predict that, I'd charge two times what I'm charging. <laughs> um, because that's the truth. It, it, it's such a, uh, an unknown when we step into the environment with a, a new golfer or, or someone we've not met before. What I will say is this, is I, because I, I don't know if there's a study out on hand-eye coordination stuff, if there is, I want to see it because quite honestly, when we get people who have gone beyond high school athletics in any sport, their, their comprehension levels from a body awareness standpoint are like through the roof. 
and they make improvements like that. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. They could be diving or curling for God's sakes. And they just come in and they start picking stuff up left and right, as opposed to the people who just, well, I, I quit in eighth grade or something and, or I didn't right. do anything athletically because their body's not really trained to learn something like that. So, um, well, think you know, about the de- think about the folks on tour, right? I mean, you hear all the time who Kucher always is winning the uh, the ping pong uh, uh, cha- right. the matches that they have. Yeah. Who they're like DJ, holy shit, he's a baller, you know, a basketball course. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, think about um, Dan talks about it all the time. You know, with Jack and tennis, right? I mean, he had a tennis court in his backyard. Tiger's building a terrible Ernie Els. L's big in tennis. I mean, it's all these guys and all this stuff is, you know, kind of that hand eye coordination stuff. And if you think about golf, you really, I mean, yes, it's there, but when you think about these other sports, because I mean, what other sport is there where you hit a ball that's, that's sitting still. And I'm just through my mind, I'm thinking T-ball. I, I yeah. don't know what, what else is right. there, right? I, I, I don't know. If yeah, if you, if you find out, man, let me know. Cause I, <laughs> I, I I've gone through the, the, the litany. I grew up playing all sports, you know, football, basketball, baseball. I, I dabbled in tennis. I tried hockey. I mean, I literally, if it moved or whatever, but because as you're just mentioning, Cal, like you have agility, reactionary skills, you develop those things. And then suddenly you jump into this environment where it ain't moving. And you're, you're not allowed to move, so to speak. I mean, you're, and so you see a lot of commonalities like throughout people's swings where, Oh, I played basketball. I'm like, yeah, I could have guessed that just based on the moves you're making. I mean, I, I was the college basketball player. So I had a lot of things in my swing I had to go through. Um, and I think what benefits me as a coach is that, you know, 10, 11 years ago, man, I was going through this same process. I was kind of the weekend warrior, you know, trying to break 90 and then trying to break 80 and now, you know, jumping into competitive golf in my mid thirties, which is so backwards. Like that just doesn't happen in the world of competitive golf. So, um, yeah, I've kind of been through all phases, so to speak, when it comes to that stuff, the only place I benefit is that I did start, you know, six, seven years old, as opposed to where a lot of golfers nowadays are, are picking it up in young adulthood. So, um, it, it is something I'm, I'm curious to, to try and, seek out some sort of study because the hand-eye coordination stuff, man, is fascinating to me. Um, you see it with F1 drivers and, uh, we just saw the blue angels here on the 4th of July, you know, like those types of individuals, man, they're just like supremely talented at anything when it's athletic, you know, that's good. Sorry, just making a note on. Yeah, so uh, we we've got oh, a good. few we got a few other guys coming up. So um, yeah, all good. So they're they're going to be on the show. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna kind of grill them about that hand eye thing. I, I think that's a, that's a, it's I mean, it's Love a good it. call. It's a great call out, man. It's so so good. Um, so JT, I don't know how much more time we have with you. We may be kind of getting close to the end. He's got to try. He's got to try C. He's got to try C. Yeah, you, you at least got to try C. Yeah. So, so as you're trying C, yeah, as you're pouring and trying C, so a couple, you, you can go either direction you want. So you guys, and, and you touched on it a little earlier that you guys are club fitters as well. And you mentioned, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you, you didn't say it directly, but you pretty much said, go get fit, right? There, there's some value in knowing your loft, your lies. I mean, it, it does make a difference. What's your, and, and again, may, might be skirting the edge of, we don't want to go, go down this road, but you start to see brands and, you know, there's a, 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 a predominant brand out of Arizona, 
Uh, there's a brand that's in the Midwest-ish. Uh, I think there's another one that's in Florida. And, and I'm talking about people that are actually making a dent. Uh, there's a Texas brand uh, by, you know, one of the guys that people try to model that guy's grip, swing, you know, everything. At least his names are on the clubs. So, and I'm, I'm kind of going towards that direct-to-market, um, that, that direct-to-market, you know, clubs. What do sure. you think that's, uh, what, what's that, do you think that that's, it, it has been a disruptor to a, to, a, to a point. I think that you're always going to have people that, hey, I don't care if I'm spending, you know, $500 plus for anything that I'm going to go beat against the ground. I still, I want to walk in, I want to touch it, I want to feel it, I want, you know, there, there's, right. there's that, to your point, right? I mean, there's some value in what's happening and being created. But do you kind of, and I know there's a difference between, um, between the actual, uh, you know, the hard goods itself, the equipment and then fitting. So there are two completely different categories, but do you see this kind of progressing into more and more and more? I mean, this with your background with Edwin Watts and what kind of happened there and, and the way this is moving down the path, you're getting ready to take on more, you know, more brands, et cetera. What, what do you think, what do you foresee? I mean, that's, that's kind of the million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, we've, we've seen, social media become this amazing platform for small businesses that can reach corners of a globe. I mean, goodness sakes, there's the, the, the brand who I think you're referring to in Texas, who's got a lot of business in Japan from what I understand. So, right. yeah. um, yeah, I, I, and I'm fascinated by it, you know, to me, um, the more, the better. I, I just feel like with the, the current culture we have in golf, the cream will rise to the top now. What yeah. we've seen over the last decade is an evolution um, from a certain brand that tried to turn it into a seasonal thing where they want I, I don't I don't mind to mention names if you don't if it bother the I, I oh, I well so there's you know companies that that struggled years and years ago like Mizuno where the, a lot of the pay for play stuff happened uh, 20 years ago and yeah. so they got kind of weeded out by the companies who were willing to pay. Uh, you know, tour pros to play their product and yep. similar uh, to NFL contracts or NBA contracts. I'd like to see those being represented in the club manufacturing world because it would help to know like, yeah, Dustin Johnson's playing TaylorMade, but that's because he's making $8 million a year to play 14 clubs. Right. And John and I laughed the day that Rory signed with TaylorMade because, you know, Nike pulled out of hard goods, and he just coincidentally signed a hundred million dollar deal and did this press conference that seemed for him so disingenuous. The guy who seems very genuine about his, you know, passion of the game. <laughs> and he comes on with a straight face and says, yeah, just coincidentally, you know, driver to putter and the golf ball, everything just fit perfectly for my game. Right. And I'm like, well, shit. Yeah. If I got paid a hundred million dollars, I'd say whatever the hell they wanted me to as well. I mean, goodness sakes, man. I mean, I, I we're not paid by anybody. We still have to buy sure. our equipment at discount. You know, that's what it means. I don't know if people are familiar with that, but if you're on staff, even as a club pro or a teaching pro or a coach, you're still buying your equipment. They're not paying you a dime to do anything. Now at best you might have a 20 year relationship where they're just giving you some things to try out, so to speak. Um, right. So I'd be curious to see how, because honestly, the way the PGA tour goes, is where you see a lot of people's uh, attention when it comes to equipment. And, and we have a unique decision there and who we want to bring in over the next couple months, because, well, obviously the most visible are going to be Callaway titleists. Um, 
and Callaway makes a top-notch product as is Titleist. So, you know, we're, we're definitely interested in, in bringing on those, those companies and, sure. um, and working with them. And I'm curious just as a player to see like, well, does that stuff truly fit me better than what I'm playing out? I mean, I don't, I don't know. We, it's, it's ironic because we've preached being brand agnostic for five years, but we've only got one brand to offer people. So <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, and even still, because we're honest, you know, uh, people really don't second guess that. They're just like, well, I'm sure Mizuno is good. Um, cause as you say, I mean, if you're a 10 handicap, is it going to make a huge difference? It's tough to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. If you give me blades versus like a cavity back, there's going to be a big difference. Right. But if you change sure. the label on the back of it, I don't know that it's going to really screw that person up per se. Right. I mean, it, it yeah. will, it might on that one perfect shot you hit out of your, you know, 92 strokes that you took. But, you know, but, but that, you know, whatever the, 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 uh, the 72nd stroke that was just pure and it's like, holy shit, where did that come from? Uh, let's shotgun a beer. And then the rest of your round is shit. And probably really didn't screw it up that, that bad. It's like, yeah. I mean, like, well, who, who, who knows Brooks plays Mizunos, right? I mean, you got to look really hard. You got to go search and find out that Kepka has Mizunos in the bag to, to see that it's happening. So. Right. Which to your point, I mean, he, he played the, the tour, uh, 900s and then the tour 919s for a while. And now I, I believe he's actually testing out Strixons at the moment. So, um, and he's, he's one of the few guys on tour right now that doesn't have a club contract so that he can be very versatile. Um, right. but the reality is what you're seeing for at least superstars like that, like the top 30 in the world who can get endorsements, uh, for multi millions. Well, then they don't really need the money for the club contracts. Right. I mean, that's, that was the the difference 20 years ago was that tiger was really the only one outside of maybe Phil who was getting huge endorsements outside of his club company. Sure. So, you know, and, and, and in fact, Titleist has, has paid far more and far more money than anybody for a long, long time. I mean, Taylor made does a good job about paying the top guys that are very visible Yep. Uh, which helps them sell their drivers and, and so forth. But Titleist for a lot of years has paid more as a volume, you know, kind of nickel and diamond it, so to speak, for forever, you know, um, which is why they're the number one ball in golf. It's why they're, you know, the number one, you know, wedge. Um, I mean, they've they've been able to kind of dominate that sector for a while. And when they went public and got that huge injection of money, uh, it wasn't surprising to see them kind of diversify their club operation. Um so uh, it's kind of interesting to see that dynamic and, and how those big boys are playing themselves into uh, position. Um, but from a, a club fitter, you love it because it's just like, well, they have to compete with themselves and I just got to tell you what works. Right. Exactly. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. The, the, the stats kind of what feels good and here are the stats, right? And here's the dispersion. Here's I the mean, distance. Here we go. That's the, that's the beauty of simulators is it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. And that way I don't have to be like, well, play this Mizuno when they see my bag as Mizunos. And it's like, well, aren't you biased? And I'm just like, well, no, look at the freaking data, man. Like that's right. If that's what plays out then. And that's my issue is I don't, I had a lesson last week. Guy comes in like, oh, yeah, I'm buying these new tailor-mades and I just love tailor-made and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, it, it's kind of foolish just to tie yourself to a brand. What performs best for you, which I think is what we all want. Sure. Uh, you know, because I've never liked looking down at a ping iron. But if I tested myself and it performed better, guess what's going in my bag? I mean, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> it's not complicated to me. But 
you know, people are influenced pretty easily by, you know, marketing. And, and that's which is why, you know, TaylorMade and Callaway spend a quarter of a billion dollars a year on marketing. It, it works. Hmm. That, it, that well, it does. Speaking of guesses and data and touch points, let's get into these whiskeys, Cal. What, what right. is what? So, so we had, we had a corn and this is in no particular order. We had a corn okay. whiskey. We had mellow corn, which is, which is a corn whiskey made by heaven Hill. We had a, uh, we had a rye whiskey, which is, um, ragtime rye from New York distilling. That was our barrel pick, uh, for the masters. And then we had Renee, which is uh, a rye Magnac. So it's a rye whiskey and an Armagnac blend from our friends at Clearwater Distilling. So if you can remember anything about those and you remember kind of what was happening and where you were going. First off, out of A, B, and C, did you like any one of those? If you had to rank them, if you had to say, here's what I liked, I like this one, this one, and this. If you had to go one, two, three, how would you put those? And I'll tell you how I would do them too. Okay. Well, um, it's been a while since I've tasted. So they, they all, (laughs) it's tough. They all had some similar notes if I'm honest. Um, but I would say I'd probably go BCA from like a grading standpoint, just from preferability. Um, and I don't really know. I couldn't guess to be honest with you. What's what, I mean, there's definitely one that's got a different color to it. It's a lighter yellow, um, almost looks like a light beer kind of, kind of color. Mm, yeah. Uh, and then, and then the, the B and C, they look really, really similar to be honest with you. Um, mm, and they, they, they had some similar notes to them as well. So mm-hmm. if I had to guess those would be the rise just because they're, they're very okay. close together. And then the yellow would be the corn that that's my unprofessional <laughs> well, assessment you- of them. Okay. So you, so you nailed it. You, you got that part, right? Uh, I got to see what the proofer is on this Renee. Uh, it's actually pretty, I mean, it's not low, but it's not high. It's, uh, 84. Pre- yeah. 84 proof, oddly enough on the, uh, on the Renee Ryman So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So the B is the Renee. Uh, so you like that okay. best. So would you ever drink yeah. Armagnac? Have you ever drank Armagnac just like straight Armagnac? No, no, that's a, that's a first for me. So, so it's, and it's quite good. So let that be, and, well, and this is a blend. Uh, I think it's, I believe it's 50, 50. I'll have to go back and do my homework, but nevertheless, you can, or this is not a sales pitch. I'm just saying this shit is so good. Uh, this, this is uh, a friend of ours in Utah, uh, a friend of the show, I should say, uh, at Clearwater Distilling. And it is like, I, I, I'd never had anything like it until we had him on the show and he sent us, uh, sent us some samples. And that's the other cool thing that we like to do is stuff that folks send us. We like to send it out and share and maybe introduce you to something that you wouldn't otherwise find on a shelf somewhere. Or you'd be like Armagnac. Why the hell would I drink that? I don't even, I can't even spell it. <laughs> didn't, didn't even know her. Right. So, right, but, yeah. so yeah. So B is the Renee, uh, ramen yak. C mm-hmm. is the ragtime rye. Uh, from New York distilling. And then you are correct that, uh, that a was the mellow corn. So now, interestingly enough, the stuff that you kind of sent me, I don't, wouldn't necessarily say that it was high rye that you're drinking, uh, that you say you're kind of finding off the shelf. So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting that you gravitate because that like a is kind of like that sweet corn, buttery cornbread kind of, you know, 
but not off-putting. I mean, I'm, no, it's I, good. Yeah, it's one of my favorite pours, and it's uh, and there's no bad r- ranking. I actually today I, I did uh, I did ABC just down the line, just to say, okay, kind of what hit me and how I liked it today. So there's no right or wrong way. It's probably what I had for lunch sure. or something. But Dan, what did you, uh, how'd you go? <laughs> I went BCA as well. Yeah, I'm right there with them. Yeah. yeah, because the because the B from Clearwater, which I've had, I've had all these before. I, I knew what they were after I drank them for a while, and um, mm. the B is just so unique to it, it, you know. And I know unique is a bad yeah. word in terms of tasting, but it's it's like, it's like you haven't <laughs> tasted something like this that much in your life, and it's just the blend is so fantastic and so different, and it's almost like a wine in a way. It's it's like a high spirit wine. And then the the C that that ragtime rye we did for the barrel pick is fantastic. Um, and then A, I knew what A was too. But I'll tell you, the one A B C is the way I tasted them. When I first tasted A, I was like, "This is delicious. This is fantastic. This is the barrel pick." But then they, as I tasted more of them, I was like, "No, nah, it's not the barrel pick. That's the barrel just, pick." It yeah, just took yeah. me a while to get going, but but they were all fantastic. <laughs> and I will say to back up to a time when I was working for Budweiser. This was like my favorite part of that job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, at least you didn't hang up on us, JT. I I told you it was going to get better. (laughs) Oh goodness. No, no, this was a, this was honestly a a blast to get to. I was actually curious how how you even stumbled on me and and thought of uh, me as someone you wanted to interview. That was kind of curious to me. I've enjoyed it though. You know, he heard, uh, he heard that you were a golf coach that never quit anybody before. I'm like, I, I think, I think I found my guy. <laughs> I, I, I'm like Kansas City burn-ins and uh, somebody that won't oh, leave yeah. me. I'll tell you, having lived all over the place, I am definitely more vinegar-based barbecue guy myself. I love oh, Carolina barbecue, nice, um, nice. but the burn-ins in KC, they are everything you would dream of. I mean, it's uh, it's it, it's meat candy. Man, it's it's so good. Give us a diamond in the rough. Where's your place to go? Where do you go? Oh boy, um, Slaps is a new place, a relatively new in, in town that you you've definitely got to check out. Um, with kids at five and three, I, I don't remember the last time we ate out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, you know, there's you've got the the traditional gates and Arthur Bryant. Um, and my favorite of those two would be Arthur Bryant. They definitely go more vinegar based. I'm not a molasses guy, so I don't like a okay. thick, sweet type stuff when it comes to the barbecue. Uh, if you're, if you're that type, then Gates is your place. But, uh, what was Kansas city Joe's now Oklahoma or no, excuse me. What is KC Joe's now was Oklahoma Joe's, um, was the first place I tried thanks to like man versus food type shows and stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, and they're still dynamite. I mean, it's, it's really, if you find a place in town that's been around 10 plus years, they're probably doing it right. So, uh, tough to beat, but my, my favorite's probably, uh, Kansas city Joe's personally. Nice. Cool. Nice. Cool. Uh, JT Watson with Imperial golf. It has been such a pleasure, my friend. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners where they can find you, how they can find a golf coach. that won't quit on them and maybe get some good, uh, good bourbon or barbecue, uh, uh, takes. Yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, if you check out our website, uh, imperialgolfkc.com, all our information of both John and myself are, are posted there. You can follow our, our Instagram, which is Imperial Golf KC, uh, or at JT Watson Golf. Um, I post pics and videos uh, on there all the time. Very active on social media. 
Um, you know, you can just start with a swing analysis, come in, meet us, get something scheduled. Uh, we'll talk about your golf game, uh, whether you're good or bad and, and figure out a game plan for you. Um, you know, from, from a barbecue standpoint and come into town, you know, obviously you got to hit the basics like Arthur Bryant and Jack stacks and flaps and stuff like that. Um, we've got a, a nice, uh, Gomer's, uh, right down the road from us, actually a really nice liquor store that's got such a huge selection for such a small, small town feel. Um, so yeah, come by, check us out. Um, we're just in, in the Northland in Parkville, um, and North Kansas city. So check us out online and get something booked. If you like to come in and, and say hello. Awesome. JT, it's been a pleasure, sir. We'll look forward to doing yeah, this again, man. You, man. Damn, Cheers. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. Cheers. Guys.